making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canaday journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Bruce Curtis is a disability rights activist who uses a wheelchair. He was building the capacity of the Coalition for Independent Living in the Republic of Georgia and managed a USAID five-year project to create a factory producing Rough Rider wheelchairs to train occupational therapists to provide pastoral support seating services to conduct a public education campaign on promoting a barrier-free environment. Currently, he is the chairperson of Whirlwind Wheelchair International. Welcome, Bruce. Well, thank you, So with that, let's proceed. So I understand that you were in a diving accident when you were 17. Could you describe how that changed? your life and by having a disability suddenly what opportunities did it take away and what opportunities did it create as all disabled people know at least those who become disabled that seems obvious to many people but nobody knows what that impact is until you experience your life until you see where your life goes and what choices you make and i think i'm pretty much the same. At 17, we we're still figuring out who we are as people, as, as adults, that we will become. And it took me several years, quite a few years, actually, like many other people, to settle down in terms of the fact that I was a disabled person. And this is at a time in the 1960s in the United States. Many people believe that the 1960s was a was a very important time for the beginning of change for disabled people in the United um, States. It was a time of social changes for women and for minorities as they claimed their civil rights. As a young disabled person, I was still trying to figure out how to get through college and how to go to college when schools were not accessible. In the United States today, this is not the situation. Many young people growing up today are familiar with how accessible the cities, many cities are, or cities especially, have been made much more accessible. In the in the 60s, it didn't exist. There was not ramps. There were not accessible elevators to take you to where you need to go. Going to school was on the individual to figure out how they're going to get to their class. That means if I was scheduled to go to a class on the third floor of a, of a building, they don't have elevators, then I had to ask people, pull, you know, pull my pull me in a wheelchair up and as as a young as a young adult that's that's never something you're happy about doing it's always problematic and i struggled through it and you find people you just start speaking up because you want to get class i got through college first in an inaccessible college then i went to a school where there was accessibility finished up my bachelor's and then and then go to master's program in sociology i so. eventually got to a place by the time I was about 24, 25. I'm just finishing college. Just following up from that previous question, what was it like growing up with a disability for you here in the U.S.? I think many of us, especially those of us who are millennials, you know, have a lot to learn from advocates who've paved the road really for the progress that we've seen today. Can you share with us your experience of growing up with a disability and the early challenges that you face? experience of being 
in a wheelchair, there's two elements of this. One is being in a wheelchair, but the other, I was, I am a quadriplegic, meaning I broke my neck. I was paralyzed mostly from the chest down. It also means I don't really have functional hands and I have weak arms. There's more to it than just being in a wheelchair. How does one deal with their body? How does one live? Do you live independently on your own? Do you live with parents? Do you live with somebody else? How do I develop my social life as a person in a wheelchair when people in wheelchairs are incredibly rare to see in society and see out in society? Trying to figure out how to function, how to create a social life of friends, of um, significant people you get involved with. I mean, this doesn't happen automatically or easily, and it just becomes more difficult when you have a major disability that makes other people stand away from you. Most people are good, and they're interested. They're curious about other people. This is this is something I think we all experience. Uh, able-bodied people are not familiar with severely disabled people and how to be friends with them or to how to um, be open and friendly. So the burden is often on the disabled person to figure it out, to, to close that distance with the able-bodied people around you. I went about this, I think, uh, like everyone else does, you just try. Those are great insights. What advice would you give able-bodied people to enable the interactions to be less awkward and just bridging the gap between what appears to be drastically different physically. The dilemma, the how to bridge the gap between most able-bodied people and a disabled person in a wheelchair is an ongoing experiment in our lives. I, th there isn't a solution for this. As a disabled person, I need to show that I am open and friendly and not going to bite people's heads off if they say hello or if they express an interest in who am I. I think most disabled people get tired explaining their disability to other people, but you have to do it because that's part of human curiosity. And for the able-bodied people, my advice to them is to recognize that their own humanity, their own complexity as a human being is very much the same with disabled people. We are also human beings. We are complex um, and we find ourselves struggling with our bodies to live in this world and to make a good life. We have lots in common. Able-bodied people should recognize that common humanity that we share and not be afraid to say hello, strike up a conversation and find out if they enjoy getting to know me or not going back to you know the physical challenges of a wheelchair user um, what kind of wheelchair do you use almost all my life i've used a manual wheelchair purposefully so many quadriplegics have no choice <laughs> they have to use a, an electric wheelchair not all but many as a young male i was interested in being in a manual wheelchair an electric wheelchair is a huge piece of equipment uh, complex, heavy, difficult to move around. You need a lot of equipment to successfully be independent with an electric wheelchair. And in those days, in the 1960s, in the in the 1970s, electric wheelchairs were uh, not very exciting and not very uh, dependable to a huge degree. So a manual wheelchair is just simpler to work with, easier to get around in the world with, uh, gives you many more options. For going places and doing things with everybody else in this world, especially in a non-accessible world. What kind of wheelchair malfunctions do you get with your chairs over the years? And how would you handle these malfunctions? Wheelchairs have gone through 
some changes. And I can speak for my lifetime, which goes from 1960s until now, which is almost 50 years. The wheelchairs I was using were the same as everybody else had in the 1960s, 1970s. Everybody had just the standard Everest and Jennings type manual wheelchair pick, you know, to use to get around it. And this chair, it's not the best wheelchair out there, usually heavy, difficult to push. When it would break, you have to figure out a way to fix it. Uh, I think that's where your question is going. Um, what do you do when your wheelchair breaks? In the United States, our answers to that were, well, we had a, a few more options. But again, every individual had to figure out their own solution. It's not like there were wheelchair repair shops in our cities. You do it with your friends who help you figure out a how to patch a tire or, or replace a, a tire that's gone flat if you can't do it by yourself. Your solutions are almost always your friends, who you know, and who has the skills to be able to help you solve that problem. If it's a bicycle flat tire, that's not a huge problem. If it's a broken uh, piece of equipment, that is a huge problem. You have to learn uh, where to go to find somebody who has the welding equipment that would work. I think with that, any last words you wanted to yeah, end with? I'm very satisfied with my life, but I am concerned like many other disabled leaders of my age are now, who went through the 70s and the 80s, creating our civil rights and our human rights. We're worried and concerned. Where are the young leaders? They are there. They are coming up. Everybody wants to just live their life. And in America, many disabled people have that opportunity. Uh, whereas when I was growing up, you have to fight for it. You, you fight now, but not as hard. Not saying to people, you can't just go and, and enjoy your life. But we do need people uh, to become leaders and to practice being leaders in order to defend what has been already won. There are no guarantees. People should not just take it for granted what we have. We have to constantly you know, go out and struggle and defend what we have. Well, that, those are very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's definitely a wake-up call to hear from you as someone who's done so much work and, you know, gone the miles and seen how it's changed over time and what it's been like. We've learned a lot from you today, all the insights that you've shared. And uh, Thank you for the opportunity to, to share a little bit of my life and my experiences. Of I course. Mean, it's just, it's very minor, but, but, it's, but I'm happy to share it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Global on Wheels, please visit trapesandglobalonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where our handle is at trapesandglobalonwheels, and also Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. And if you have an extra minute, please make sure to review our podcast wherever you like to get your podcast. This helps us tremendously as we try to understand how best to serve our listeners and further spread the word of our mission. We sincerely appreciate your support, and we'll catch you again next time.